0: Hello sweet sisters and welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, a place where we acknowledge that women are of nature and the stars. My name is Athena and I'll be your guide as we explore esoteric transmissions on fertility astrology, conscious conceptions, women's health, and more. Here we will not shy away from the radical, the controversial, or the spiritual. So grab your tea and let's get cosmic. ladies how are we doing today In this episode, we are going to springboard a little bit off of last week's episode in which we explored some philosophies on healing that are generally rooted in vitalist principles, and we're going to apply those perspectives to how we can now reframe our approach to the topic of infertility and um, technologies like IVF. So I recommend going back and listening to that story If you want to add a little more depth to this conversation or are interested in my own lived experiences through the expressions of my own personal healing journey and how I arrived at where I am today. Before we get into it, remember that you can now become a paying supporter of the Cosmic Conceptions podcast for just $11 a month. Not only will you be engaging in reciprocity with this work, but you will also be able to gain access to the podcast bonus material, monthly AMAs, and the Cosmic Conception Diaries over on Substack where this podcast is hosted. Now, if you can't provide that investment, but you do want to support the show, please consider sharing this podcast with someone who might benefit. From its medicine, or even consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to thank Joyce for becoming a new supporter of the show. Thank you, Joyce. So, last week we explored the perspective that all symptoms are actually healing responses. That the body never makes a mistake or is broken in any way. And um, I think we even touched a little bit on the idea that medical diagnostics or diagnoses are really just human made fabrications that attempt to classify the human experience into an almost algorithm like process. And it's also really important to note, I think, that the reason why this this system of classification and algorithm-like approach to the human body is so um, important or necessary to the industrial medical system is because it is one of the ways in which the industry is then able to market and sell petrochemical drugs, unnecessary surgeries, expensive hospital visits, and quote-unquote preventative care, among other things. So The use of diagnostics to categorize your complex personal experience really is um, part of a larger expression of this industry, okay? And it's not for the purpose of your healing as much as it is for the purpose of all of the aforementioned things. So moving on, in embracing these perspectives, how can this change our approach to infertility? So first of all, I want to explore the idea that infertility is in a way innate to the natural cycles of the human experience. Our menstrual cycles naturally express periods of infertility in the same way that the seasons of the earth naturally express periods of infertility. The duality that is seasons of abundance mirrored by seasons of barrenness are part of the balance and perfection of life. So just based on that thought alone, you may be willing to embrace that infertility is not necessarily a symbol of brokenness, but rather a symbol of your own perfection. Now, another way in which this is mirrored as just, you know, simply being a part of the human experience and a part of larger um, natural and cosmic stories that we're all inherently weaved into just by being here, is that uh, infertility doesn't actually really appear to be as much of a modern industrial problem as it is being highlighted currently. It certainly is extremely prevalent in our culture in you know numbers and percentages higher than perhaps um, hum- humankind has really ever experienced before. And that is certainly, I think, partially a product of our of our culture, our modern industrialization, blah, blah, blah. Um, but couples, uh, being unable, you know, to bear children, whether it's coming from the man or the woman or a joint, uh, experience or, or cosmic experience, or, you know, we're going to explore all the possible reasons why later, um, this, uh, Expression has been around for a very, very, very long time, um, even as far back as all of the um, as far back as you can take all of your kind of romanticized uh, stories about ancestral living and societies, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We know for sure that, um, there are texts dating as far back as the Babylonian era that discuss treating couples who cannot bear children. And then, of course, the medicalization of infertility kind of became popularized during the Hippocratic Greek era. But this problem is also acknowledged in traditional medicines like Ayurveda and TCM. In Rebecca Fleming's paper, The Invention of Infertility in the Classical Greek World, Medicine, Divinity, and Gender, which I will link to in the show notes, she says, Infertility has a history that goes back thousands of years, a rich and varied history, but which always involved medical efforts, among others, This part is key and never lacked confidence, a confidence that itself will have helped achieve positive results. So I thought that this, um, that last little piece was also extremely relevant and there is, um another paper that I'll reference in a bit in which we can kind of connect those two points and talk about why. So let's explore some definitions of infertility. Usually when women think that they might be infertile, the first thing that they tend to do in our culture, of course, is consult the internet. Um, And this is usually along the lines of what they will find. So I just pulled this definition off of the CDC's website because they appear to be um, an authority in the industrial medical system. So the CDC says, in general, infertility is defined as not being able to get pregnant after one year or longer of unprotected sex. Because fertility in women is known to decline steadily with age, some providers evaluate and treat women aged 35 years or older after six months of unprotected sex. Now, I almost don't even like sharing it with you because I just, (laughs) it's so depressing. Um, so, okay. We're gonna, we're gonna get into this, but just generally speaking in our current age, the industry is evaluating infertility based off of this six month period and this one year period. Okay. So let's go back in time a little bit. Um, in 1989, there was a paper written by March Banks et al. who or it was titled Research on Infertility: Definition Makes a Difference. Uh, and they basically explored what women experienced in terms of how long it took them to get pregnant and with various under various conditions at different ages, blah, blah, blah. Um, The paper that will be referenced in the show notes is actually a revisitation on that uh, original 1989 paper. But in that original paper, they defined infertility based on two years without a pregnancy, which is actually quite close to the Ayurvedic perspective. I have a quote here um, from a paper on infertility through an Ayurvedic lens, which will also be in the show notes, that says, according to Ayurveda, infertility exists when a couple is unable to achieve pregnancy after two or more years or fail to conceive for several years after the first delivery. Now, coming back to Rebecca Fleming's paper, she had a definition for infertility um, that was actually the Closest definition out of any of these resources that felt more comfortable to me, which is that infertility itself signifies a medically or socially liminal state in which affected persons hover between reproductive incapacity and capacity. She also notes later in the paper as well that infertility is, quote, a position of compromised generative capacity, but not its absence. So you can see how as we travel through the ages and through different cultural uh, philosophies that the definition of infertility has sort of changed. Um, and again, these are all really subjective, man-made definitions to define this period of liminality, as Rebecca Fleming would say. Now, I prefer not to focus on the word infertility as a label. It's not something that I would personally align with, but if I had to assign it a definition, I would say that infertility is a period of preconception in which there is intention to connect with the archetype of the mother. Simply put, you're not infertile, you're preconception, which of course brings us into the question of, well, what if that period of preconception never comes to an end? What if I reach the passage of menopause and a child... Never came through me. So, this is where I think it might be helpful for women to begin reevaluating what it means to be a mother. I think it's very important to um, view the mother as holding and reflecting certain qualities that are essential to the life cycle of a woman, and that the embodiment of this archetype does not require the presence of a child. And the reason why it's important for women to embrace this, if they think that they might be experiencing a lifetime in which bearing children is not part of their path, is that we want to make sure that you can still move through these rites of passage that are so necessary to your personal evolution as a woman. Um, because of our cycles, because of our blood mysteries, it is our privilege that we get to walk through these archetypes, that we get to move from becoming a maiden to receiving our first blood, which ultimately sets us up to stepping into that archetype of the mother, which ultimately sets us up to stepping into the archetype of the crone. And all of these archetypes serve our culture if we are able to embody them in a healthy and integrated way. So, if you are on a preconception journey or maybe you are identifying with an infertility journey and you are not sure if a child will ever come through you, it doesn't mean that you cannot claim the title of the mother for yourself when it becomes appropriate. So, the bonus content actually for this episode is called Becoming the Mother, and it's going to serve as a guide and an exploration of this archetype and the various ways that women can choose. To claim it. So that will be linked to in the show notes and you can check out a little preview of that if you're not currently a paying member. But if you are a paying member, you will have access to the entire guide. And I want to be super clear that I, I'm i not trying to encourage anyone to bypass the intense feelings of grief or anger that might accompany this journey. It is certainly not Necessarily an easy ride, and I know that there is a lot of heartache that comes with not producing a child that, which is something that might be very important to you. So it there is, of course, like an absolutely critical place for us to be able to acknowledge and hold space for those emotions, especially the grief. And actually, I recommend that. Um, If you do choose to step into the archetype of the mother without the presence of a conception that you do go through the work of processing that grief before you fill up on claiming the role of the mother. Um, And I also think it's important to note here that if you have ever conceived and then miscarried or experienced an early birth, you are a mother. That was an initiation into the archetype of the mother. And it's really important that we, we honor that, that you honor that. Because that spirit chose you and that child came through you for reasons that are important to your journey. And you were their mother for however long that time that they were present with you. So that's something else that also um, should be considered. I feel like sometimes when women move through the difficulties of early birth experiences, it just becomes like a notch on their bedpost. Like, oh, another lost pregnancy, another miscarriage. And you're still kind of like, you know, grasping for the one that sticks, the one that makes you the mother, but you already are a mother. That was, that was your initiation into motherhood. Um, so that's something else to just maybe process and, and take a look at as well. Like I said, if you think it will be supportive for you, please be sure to check out that resource in the show notes in order to continue on with that conversation. So let's circle back around now to this concept of, uh, infertility and, you know, the argument over how long it needs to go on for in order to be labeled infertility, right? Like when does preconception become infertility? Is it six months? Is it a year? Is it two years? Um, who knows <laughs> obviously no one can seem to agree on this definition and i think what it's it's really important to note that again this is preconception is a season of women's blood mysteries it is just as deep and archetypal and mysterious and rich as one's first period or birth itself or the postpartum space or menopause, okay? And so as we know from all of those other experiences, they are unique to each woman who is walking her own path through those mysteries. It is in a way sort of absurd that humans, primarily men, are attempting to categorize and diagnose those experiences. Now, I'm going to go back and reference um, that research study on, you know, the definition of infertility and just highlight a couple things that Were written in there. So one quote was that their study confirms, our study confirms that a history of infertility is common, although it often spontaneously resolves. And that, quote, there was a high cumulative incidence of pregnancy after infertility across all definitions, meaning the paper explored um, the concept of infertility, you know, after six months of unprotected sex, after six months of unprotected sex with the intention of getting pregnant, and then after 12 months of unprotected sex versus 12 months of unprotected sex with the intention of getting pregnant. So all of these different various ways to categorize preconception and infertility were explored. um, And generally across the board, they found that infertility spontaneously resolved, (laughs) whatever Whatever that is supposed to mean. It's like such a strange way to to word everything. Okay. Um, And then the the updated version um, this is like the the updated version of the paper that's reflecting on the 1989 paper they also noted quote given our findings that the definition continues to make a difference overall and within democratic or demographic subgroups future studies should carefully consider which definition best aligns with their study aims and understand the ramifications of their choice for both internal and external the Validity, Basically reconfirming the quote from Fleming's paper in which she said, confidence, um, a confidence that itself will have helped achieve positive results. So both of these papers, one more scientific, one more like historically research-based, are acknowledging that our attitude and our approach and the way in which we label ourselves and our experience through this period have a can have a profound effect on ultimately the results, the positive or negative results, um, or I guess I should say the outcomes of those experiences. Now that we've kind of explored the realm of the infertility diagnosis and hopefully have given you some new ways to Reframe and think about your experience. Let's pivot into ARTs and IVF. So, ART stands for um, assistive reproductive technology and usually includes procedures like IVF or IUI or some of these other techniques that. Industrial medicine tries to use to approach infertility. Uh, but I will read you the quote of the CDC's definition again, just so that we have a baseline of understanding, you know what the system is aligning itself with. They say ART includes all fertility treatments in which either eggs or embryos are handled in general, ART procedures involve surgically removing eggs from a woman's ovaries, combining them with sperm in the laboratory and returning them to the woman's body or donating them to another woman. They do not include treatments in which only sperm are handled, meaning intrauterine or artificial insemination, or procedures in which a woman takes medicine only to stimulate egg production without the intention of having eggs retrieved. So I actually kind of consider IUI um, as being part of artificial reproductive technology? Artificial assistive reproductive technology? Um, the CDC says no, but I think a lot of um, clinics and you know practitioners across the board, generally when they think of ARTs, they're thinking of IUI and IVF. Now, some sources cite IVF in particular as being a treatment for infertility. And this is painfully untrue because, of course, if infertility, uh, quote-unquote infertility, were being treated, then the fertility technology would clearly not be needed. So please be don't be duped by these marketing statements, okay? Um, the choice to use ARTs or IVF is a choice that does not include the healing of your infertility. So that this is not like a shaming statement. The purpose of having this conversation is not to shame anyone for choosing this path. Um, so please don't like fall into a death spiral of, of guilt or anything like that. That's not why we're having this discussion. But I do think it's really important to name what is true. And I think if women can grasp um the full holistic, like a full and holistic understanding of what their choices are, then they can make them from a more informed and intentional choice or or intentional decision, right? Okay, so if you are facing the choice to use IVF, it is really important to understand that IVF does not treat infertility, Okay, IVF is a tool that can be used to bypass the reasons why your body is not receiving a conception. Okay, so that being said, let's discuss this. If the body is preventing a conception from occurring, and we understand now that the body makes no mistakes. You're not broken. Something is not wrong in there. Okay, The body is responding and adapting to your chosen lifestyle, your emotional body, all of the things. If infertility, the body's choice to prevent a conception from occurring, is in itself a healing response or even a way to protect the mother and the unborn child from harm, then why would we bypass the intelligence, that natural intelligence, through technological force? Or I guess the question should be, knowing that, do you still consent to bypassing that intelligence through technological force? Because, of course, people, there are lots of reasons why people choose to bypass the innate intelligence of their body. And maybe that's a conversation for another time. But um, of course, there are also more spiritual reasons why a child may not be coming through. So let's pretend that actually you do appear to be quite healthy and your cycle is quite healthy and your emotional body is very integrated and you are living out your purpose in life and everything about your life is... Feeding your joy and all of these other things, right? Everything truly seems to be in its place. Okay, so then what else could be going on there? So we can explore some more spiritual reasons why a child may not be coming through, right? So it could have to do with the karma that you have come into this life to play out as a woman, as a woman, as a mother. Right? Or it may have to do with a life purpose that actually does not involve the conception of a child. So when women become fixated on the idea that the chapter of motherhood in their life needs to be expressed through the conception of a child, they could be missing a bigger message that is there for them in that medicine, right? Women spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money and a lot of resources for potentially years and years of their life identifying with the the archetype of the infertile woman and going to all of these treatments and going to all of these appointments and suffering through all of the transfers. And it's just like, wow, Like, that's a very interesting way to choose to spend this chapter of your life. And it's quite a distraction, actually, from the medicine that could be waiting for you in this preconception time in which a child is not coming through. So, I do think, like, again, I don't believe that everyone is entitled to a child, and I don't believe that all women come here to be mothers, even though their ego might be telling them that that is actually everything that they want and that there is nothing else, okay? So there, there's other bigger, more cosmic, karmic um, entanglements that could be present here that are here to serve you, And ultimately, if you embrace that, then you can then take that medicine and turn around and serve your community and serve your life in ways that you might have never imagined. So this is also, again, if you want to tap into some of this a little bit, I'm going to be writing about this in the bonus content. Um, the disconnection may also be coming from the other own, the other end of the telephone wire, so to speak, in which the particular quality or mission of the child that wants to come through you cannot be met, considering the current state or well-being of the mother, you. Um, so for example, If the child that wants to come through you is coming through you to participate in a very specific karmic relationship with you. But that cannot be completed until you move through your own planes of personal growth. Again, you could be spending a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money identifying and investing, identifying with and investing in the archetype of the infertile woman, or you could be using this period of spaciousness to start critically looking at yourself and what needs to be healed within you so that perhaps you can elevate into. a a frame of mind or a level of integration or a state of whole body healing that your child needs from you in order to come through. We are experiencing currently as a human race, a very critical point in history in terms of the survival of our species. And of course, I, I... It sounds kind of dramatic, but in some ways I don't take it seriously at all because I do think that every generation has believed that we've been in an extremely critical point that hinges on the survival of the human species and on and on and on. And in some ways it kind of keeps us trapped in this sort of fear-based victim mentality. So let's not take it too seriously. Um, And yet also, as a culture, we're experiencing Dramatic consequences for the actions of our people, primarily for the last 200 years of industrial society. So, going back to the rise of infertility, is the rise of infertility purely a product of our industrial society and toxicity and everything is poison and the chemicals and blah, blah, blah? Or is it nature's discernment in Choosing who it allows to come through. So do you see how when we begin to get curious about the preconception period, you can begin to observe an infinite amount of possibilities that are quite intelligent for the reason why you are experiencing what you are experiencing. And considering all of these points, it is my personal belief that utilizing technologies like IVF not only ignores the body's intelligent healing responses at the expense of the mother and the child, but it also prevents opportunities for spiritual, emotional, and karmic growth. Now, a couple other points that should also be considered in terms of just touching on the you know truth about IVF, um, but I do want to spend other episodes going into deeper depth about these topics. Um, the first one is that IVF is, like I said, not without consequence, um, and that it's not even just about potentially forcing a pregnancy onto a body that was intelligently refusing to facilitate that. And then, what are the health consequences of that? But also to um, the child who is being conceived outside of the energetic field of the human body, and you know, more spiritual quantum sounding perspectives aside, there is there exists research to suggest that health outcomes are not as optimal when we choose to conceive through technologies like IVF. So all this ultimately is to say that if you are going to make the choice to engage with IVF technologies, then you need to also be making an informed decision in knowing that there may be consequences and that it's not just a Benign procedure that, where if it works, then everybody is pregnant and births and is happy and healthy. Um, and if it doesn't work, then there is all the def- dev- devastation and grief that goes along with that. But then, other than other than that, there is no consequence. Well, that that is not true. There are, um, if you will, side effects to choosing the IVF route. The other point that is extremely. Um, important to remember, and this one definitely needs its own episode and discussion, is that the, the integration of these technologies into popular culture, and the reliance on these technologies in order to do things that humans were actually naturally designed to do themselves is ultimately being pressed upon us by, um, yes, the pharmaceutical industry, but even beyond that, certain interests who have invested in the pharma- pharmaceutical industrialized medical industry in order to push the, soci- the society towards a more transhumanist and posthumanist humanist culture. Now that might sound if, if if you're new here it might sound like I'm now you're I'm losing you but I will put a link in the show notes to um, a website called humanityplus.org which is a really great um, introduction to the philosophies of transhumanism and uh, when you read it you will be able to start seeing how these philosophies are making their way into popular culture now some of the most famous um, billionaire transhumanists are very heavily invested, specifically in the pharmaceutical um, and medical realm, because they ultimately believe that um, nature is flawed, that the human body is inferior. And that by merging with technology and no longer needing to suffer through things like healing and birth and death, um, that we can elevate the human experience into a transhuman existence, which is ultimately the merging between humans and technology so when we when we relate this to the birth space and to IVF it basically means that you know one day not only will you not need to um, physically make love in order to conceive a child because we have IVF for that well you don't even have to gestate your baby because you can just grow your baby in um, ectopods uh, these things um, already, exist and are already being experimented on with animals uh, and our articles that write about this process often um, are deeply dismissive of the of there being any benefit to Some of these normal processes that I'm talking about, like such as healing, birth, and death, that it's just best if we bypass these aspects of the human experience because they create suffering and pain and it's inconvenient. And why not just have a machine do it all for you? And of course, this all eventually is going to take us into a more post-human uh, existence in which we are so thoroughly merged with computers that you can essentially opt out of uh, human human life altogether because you can just upload your consciousness into uh, a computer hard drive. So... I know it might sound really really out there if you're new here. If you're not new here, you're like, "Oh, here she goes again. Our girl is on it." <laughs> I will put some very basic resources in the show notes so that you can just kind of tap into um that that frequency um and and you know, plug into some awareness about around what is going on there and we will most certainly have an entire podcast episode based on um yeah, the kind of medicalized, uh, post human. Uh, direction that our culture is going in. So it's just something to take into consideration when you look at this whole picture. I hope from start to finish I've sort of created um, a picture for you about the ways in which we have sort of been miscategorizing the preconception space as infertility, how infertility is being used as an identity and a diagnosis that is really not helping anybody through their preconception journey because Ultimately, it just um, categorizes you as somebody who is then qualified for technologies, which we have already covered, do not actually heal or address the root causes of infertility, and really pulls you away from turning your experience into a spiritual, purposeful opportunity for growth. And then, of course, in continuing to engage with these technologies and invest our money and our energy into these technologies, we are feeding into a broader agenda that is ultimately trying to further separate us from our integration with nature and the natural experiences of life, which is one of the reasons why we are in this sort of infertility picture to begin with, actually. So we're kind of just like further spiraling away from the truth. Okay. I will end it there for today. Uh, Please consider becoming a paying supporter of the podcast, especially if you want to access that bonus content that I think will be really helpful for those who are on um, preconception journeys. Even if you are not quote-unquote infertile. Even if you are just starting out with your preconception journey or even beginning to think about your preconception journey, it can be really healing to enter into that space having already fully integrated the possibility that it might not result in a child. So wherever you are in your process, this resource is going to be really nourishing for you. And again, you can tap into that in the show notes. And until next week, I'll see you later.